So hello, everyone. Um, I'm Chris Reedman, and with me is is AK. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, um, you know, warehouse automation over the, the next 20 minutes. So, you know, first, um, just a brief amount about myself. I'm Chris Reedman. I'm Managing Director in Deloitte Consulting's retail logistics and distribution practice. Um, I've been in the industry for about 35 years now, um, working in, um, you know, pretty much all the areas of of uh, logistics and distribution, including you know layout, automation, um, you know systems, uh, transportation, and and even some work on um, internet and things. Um, Ak, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, Ak Schultz, co-founder and CEO of SVT Robotics. Um, haven't been in the industry as long as Chris, uh, a mere seventeen years, um, but. Uh, decided to uh, start a company with my co-founder that um, addressed the growing problem of robotics in integration. And our goal is to make robotics integration super seamless, bring the integration time down from 12 months to 12 weeks, and eliminate the need for constant recoding of interfaces. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to be here, Chris. and and uh, you know, the the opportunity to talk to somebody like you who's had tons of experience in the industry, who uh, has seen um, enormous changes over the over the past few decades. And I think at, at Deloitte, you have a unique uh, viewpoint from the macro level about how you've seen warehousing evolve over the past five years. Um, what have you seen and why do you think it's all happening now? Yeah, so um, ha having been in this industry long enough, I've 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 seen a lot, um, and and quite frankly, I think you know over the the past five years, warehousing has changed more than the past thirty five, and and possibly you know the the thirty five before that, right? Um, you know, when I first started out in logistics, you know, late eighties, um, you know, automation was waning. You know, th there were sortation systems, but for, for the most part, um, you know, almost every warehouse I went to had, um, you know, tracks in the floor that were filled in from, from where they had, um, you know, carts on a cable and they got rid of those, um, you know, went into many facilities where, um, you know, they had rack supported, uh, ASRS systems that, that, that were dark. Um, you know, uh, a, a lot of where, a lot of automation, was built during that period of time due to expected high labor rates that never really materialized. And, you know, for, for whatever reason, the automation didn't work. It wasn't as um, effective as, um, you know, folks doing the, the, the job. It, it, it was waning. Um, you know, I would say in the last 10 to 15 years, um, you know, we, we've seen um, you know, changes in automation, but it's, it's been more around making people more productive than I would say, um, you know, automating systems, right? So, you know, we've seen, um, you know, voice picking, pick to light, put to light, put walls, uh, you know, pick to light, all of those. And they still have, you know, a labor component, but um, it, it's all about trying to increase productivity um, and, and making, uh, you know, typically picking and, and, and put away a little bit less hands-free. 
in the last five years, you know, automation has just exploded, right? Um, I think there are you know several factors that are influencing this. Um, you know, one is it's a labor shortage. People just don't want to work in warehouses anymore, um, and you know, probably with good reason. They're they're typically really hot and dusty. Um, I think the other one is is the one to two day shipping expectations. Um, where when I first started, if if you would order something, it was it called email back then. It was called mail order. It was typically five to seven business days. Um, now, you know, you, you order on your smartphone and you expect it there the next day. So, so, uh, picking and shipping need to happen a lot quicker. And, and then, um, you know, I think it's been the explosion of, of automated systems. And I think this is a chicken and the egg, right? Um, have automated systems exploded because there's really been a huge need for them or, or, um, has the, the explosion of automated systems, um, you know, kind of fill the void that that, that was needed. Um, but it's there are so many different systems out there right now. Um, you know, especially around um, you know goods to person picking and order assembly, as well as you know automatic storage and retrieval systems. And we're even starting to see robotic picking solutions to where um, you know the product is is bought brought to a robotic arm, and it actually uh, you know picks the order um, you know into another carton. So you know we've definitely seen um, you know automation um, you know really changing the face of, of of warehousing. But you know one of the questions that that I get AK a lot is, you know, how does automation really improve the operations, um, you know, versus just automating to, to, to automate? Yeah, so if I, if I look at um, the problems that automation is solving today, um, you know, in the past, it was always about return on investment, about a lot of discussion about how do we take cost out? How do we pay for the robot? Um, how do we make things more efficient? But um, while that's still valid, I think, you know, companies are not really trying to let people go. They're really trying to fill the spots they can't fill. And it's, um, I think, largely driven by the e-commerce boom in a lot of ways. I mean, the cost to fulfill per unit is just higher because, you know, frankly, your customers aren't, you know, picking things out of a store. They're, you're, the customer, you're picking things out of a warehouse on behalf of the customers. And it just drives costs into the value chain. Um, so um, with and then I think you're absolutely right. This uh, expectation of uh, really fast delivery uh, drives something else. And if you look at what uh, what this manifests as is companies realize they have to automate not to save money, but to app, to actually execute on their brand promise to their customers to meet their delivery times, to uh, meet their shipping times. I mean, if you think about the costs that can stack up if a company um, misses its uh, um, fulfillment time and misses its freight window, the expedited freight costs can really stack up. So these these things are um, are automation is enabling production, and I think in the three PL industry we've seen that the three PLs, while they always used to be reluctant to embrace automation, they suddenly realize that. If they don't make their service levels, their contracts are at risk. And with the increasing um, pressure on making the service levels even tighter, um, the large 3PLs have started leaning in. And I think the, even the smaller 3PLs are starting to follow suit. So, Chris, the, uh, 
you know, from your perspective, what are the most common warehouse issues that you think automation will solve? Yeah. So, you know, to kind of um, pick up um, on some of the uh, you know, concepts that, that you brought up, I think uh, automation is really not about reducing people. It's, it's about reducing cycle time, increasing accuracy, and, and then, um, you know, increasing productivity, right? Um, you know, as I said before, the, the expectations um, of, uh, you know, e-com are, are one to two days, right? So, you know, cycle time needs to be reduced. You know, um, we can't continue working on a five to seven day cycle time because nobody's going to, you know, shop there anymore. You know, in, in addition, um, you know, we, we need to be accuracy. We need to be accurate. You know, re returns are a huge problem, and you, you don't want to ship the wrong product as well. Um, the other piece is, is productivity, right, it's especially in, in picking, which is typically the, the largest labor piece. Um, you know, being an engineer and having done lots of time studies in, in picking, the, the largest factor in picking is, is pick density. Um, and if pick density isn't high, then, you know, you're, you're walking a lot. And with many companies carrying, you know, hundreds of thousands of products, um, you know, the, the walking can be pretty great. So that, that's a large component. Going to a goods to person system is, is really going to cut back on that and, and increase the productivity by, by reducing the walking. Because now you have, um, you know, really the robots doing the walking. Um, and, and then finally, um, you know, with COVID, it's, it's around social distancing. Um, many, many warehouses have been impacted by, um, you know, the virus, especially early on. Um, you know, there is a need to, to definitely social distance, um, which is tough in a warehouse. And, and you know, by using, um, you know, goods to person, by using robotics, you're, you're able to achieve that social distancing that, that I do believe will be with us, um, you know, even past this, this current pandemic. Um, so really, you know, what, what I've seen is, is the industry change and, and warehousing change, you know, dramatically over, over, you know, my lifetime. But, you know, AK, I'd be curious on your perspective on, you know, what are the industry trends that, that folks should be watching right now? What, what, what should they be looking for? Sure. No, it's, it's actually quite an exciting time for us. And um, if you look at, there's been a convergence of technology and that coupled with um, market demand in the emergence of, or the explosion of e-commerce. Um, if you, you see this, the emergence of AI, the reduction in uh, the cost of computing, the reduction of cost in data storage and the reduction in costs of just making the machines. I mean, I remember when um, an AMR or an AGV back then we used to used to call cost seventy thousand dollars, and now you can pick one up for twenty five, right? And that number is coming down even further. I think we're going to see that uh, the actual machine cost comes way down, and it's going to be more and more about the software. But I think there are other things that are happening in terms of. Um, you know, robot is a service solution. So no longer is there necessarily capital outlay. You're looking at leasing. And I think a lot of companies who <clears throat> may have been capital constraints constrained in the past can now now budget into their operating expenses. I mean, I think this is this is a phenomenal. Also, because the unit costs for these machines are less costly, 
companies are now keeping robots in inventory, mobile robots in inventory. And so they can literally ship the robots overnight. They can ship them to you in the peak season, and then you can ship them back because you just rented them for peak. I mean, these things are all huge, huge enablers. Um, um, I think the other really cool thing is we're seeing more and more uh, emergence of startups focusing on making the best point solutions rather than creating major, uh, focusing on these major portfolios of automation, they're focusing on being super excellent at one thing. And of course, the key to that is how do you integrate all these emerging techs? How do you harness all these things and, and maintain all these integrations? And I think um, what we'll see is that integration is going to become um, even more important than it, than it used to be. And as always, really the key to a, a, a successful deployment, I think it's going to be even more so. Um, so, you know, I think along those lines, uh, if you think about the six, you know, we've all seen successful deployments and maybe less successful deployments. I mean, what do you think companies should, what approaches do you think companies should take to implementing automation in their warehouses? And what are some basic steps they can take? Yeah, so we, we work with a lot of companies in, in trying to take a look at automated solution. I think the, the, the first piece out there is, you know, learn what else, learn what's out there and what's possible, right? Um, you know, talk to the vendors. Um, normally, I would say, you know, go to the trade shows because the the, the, the trade shows are, are great to to see things and get brochures and, and talk to folks. And a lot of them are online that right now, but but understand what's out there and and really what's possible. Um, then evaluate automation, you know, against your process flows, you know, understand, you know, where you have the issues um, and look to automate some of those processes that are very, um, you know, cycle time dependent, um, you know, low productivity or, or you know, poor accuracy. Um, but, you know, be careful, um, you know, simply because you can automate doesn't mean that you necessarily should automate. One of the things I, I do a lot of times when I'm talking to people about putting in, um, you know, warehouse management systems is, is, is say, okay, simply because I can configure the system to do this, should I really, right? Um, and, and being an engineer, I, I understand the, the allure of trying to have systems do everything, but it doesn't always make sense. And, and you need to weigh that, which is why I think the next piece is, is to develop a business case for this, right? Um, understand, you know, what the benefits are and, and like, or unlike many other business cases that they're really focused on, you know, productivity and labor. I, I think this one needs to focus more on, on, on cycle time. You know, how can we reduce the cycle time, which would quite frankly, you know, is going to have an impact to, 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 to inventory. Um, and, and also, um, accuracy too, you know, if, if we're able to increase our picking accuracy from, you know, 99 to 99.5%, you know, what does that mean in terms of, of um, you know, reduced returns, increased client satisfaction? Um, you know, develop a roadmap. Um, you know, I would say start small, but but build for the future, right? Um, you know, we don't know what the future is going to bring in terms of automation. We, we do know that, um, like I said before, robotic picking is is going to be, you know, part of that. So when, when you're designing, make sure you're, you're designing um, you know, for the future so it can accommodate this. Um, 
And, and then finally, you know, if, if you're unsure, don't be afraid to, to ask for help and get a guide through this because it is it is pretty complicated. And there are a lot of robotic solutions um, out there that that do very similar things. So, you, you know, in, in, in talking through that, I mean, you know, that's kind of how I would say you, you get started. But, you know, once you get in um, and I know, you know, this AK, you you know, companies will experience speed bumps and, and, and barriers um, and constraints. You know, what are what are some of the you know the barriers and constraints that you see and how have companies been able to to resolve those? Yeah, I mean, so it used to really be a, a cost thing, right? So it used to be that if you weren't Walmart or Target or Amazon, you just didn't have the financial mass or the business mass to really justify these big systems. I mean, you think about it, I remember I remember when it was when ten million dollars was kind of the baseline automation system, um, unless you were just putting in like maybe a basic conveyor system. You got into any ASRS, you know, a $5 million ASRS would be a tiny, tiny number and probably didn't justify the volume that it would take to put one in. So, um, but now, you know, as I mentioned before, with the cost coming down, that, that all that changes. And what I actually see as barriers entry are sometimes these self-imposed barriers and they're organizational barriers, right? Everyone's super busy, but also um, a lot of companies just have not uh, have not gotten into the automation game, and so they are under resourced from an, uh, a skill standpoint, right? And I I kind of call it the 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 prepared and the unprepared, right? Or the underprepared, and so. Um, if you're in the prepared, you're probably been automating for five, 10 years, right? So, and these are the companies that have been able to harness um, and harness automation in, in COVID and actually be quite successful. Um, the underprepared have been on, likely been on the back foot and now they want to get into the game and they have to deal with this huge learning curve. So, um, and one of the big places, of course, is on the software side, right? So uh, if I look at a lot of the lead time problems in the industry in terms of, you know, how long does it take to execute a project? A lot of times it is really getting access to the IT resources necessary to, to build the integrations. I know several large companies where the IT department's uh, essentially deployment schedule will determine whether or not an automation project will even happen this year or next year. So um, so if you're going to start doing it, you really need to think about um, building that expertise in advance because it just doesn't happen overnight. And what could actually be a quite successful deployment can, um, can actually be unfairly um, challenging because of a lack of internal expertise. So, yeah, I mean, this... It, 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 I think COVID-19 has, has served as this magnifying um, lens, right? And these problems were always here, but now they just became very apparent and stark, right? Like the, 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 all this talk about resiliency, right? Um, or, or is our supply chains brittle, right? So, I mean, I think COVID has, has, has really been a great awakening for us saying, wow, things things, um, there were problems that were here that were underlying that need to change. And from, from your vantage point, Chris, like 
what do you think you've seen COVID expose from a supply chain standpoint? What do you, where do you think the world will go after the pandemic? Yeah, so I was um, reading an article, I think it was last week, and um, you know the, the comment was that COVID has accelerated online ordering um, you know, 10 years in, in 10 months, right? So, um, you, you know, where online ordering was big before COVID, it, it's now expanded into other areas, right? Um, I think you're, you're starting to see more stores, more restaurants, um, you know, especially supermarkets, um, you know, really have to pick up the pace on, on online ordering. Um, you know, we've seen um, you know, the creation of, um, you know, micro fulfillment centers, taking stores that are, that are being unused, converting them over to, um, um, you know, fulfillment points. So I, I think that, you know, COVID has accelerated this to, to an enormous degree. And, and, you know, with that, I think is, is the need for, for automation, right? We, we are seeing a lot of these, these micro fulfillment centers, um, you know, being automated in, in terms of, um, you know, like I said before, the the goods to people, the ASRS. Um, uh, I even saw one facility that was pretty much lights out that um, you know robotically brought you um, you know your product that, that you ordered online. So, um, and what that does from a COVID standpoint too is it also um, you know allows for for social distancing and and the reduced um, need for workers to to be in place at one time. I, I, I do think that, um, you know, after all this is done, we, we are going to see a bounce back, right? I, I think people are going to go back to shopping in stores. They, they are going to go back to going to restaurants. They are going to go back to, to supermarkets, but it's not going to go back to where it was before. And, and um, you know, the, the uh, buy online, pick up in store, the, the online ordering are, are here to stay. And, and companies are still going to have to, um, you know, work through those those issues on 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 how do we, you know, efficiently fulfill uh, customer orders because I think in a lot of ways they they've been doing it now, but it hasn't been efficient, right? Um, they, they've been doing it because they, they they have to, and it's 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 a need. I think in the future um, it needs to be more efficient, and, and automation is going to really play a large part in that. Um, so, you know, in, in taking a look at, at kind of companies and as they prepare for, for automation, right, what, what questions should, should they be asking, um, you know, of, of you or I or the automation companies in order to, to make sure that they, that they really understand, um, you know, what, what the options are and, and how to do this right? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to the whole concept of for companies that are prepared and companies who are not prepared. And um, when I... I was talking to a friend of mine at one of the very large e-commerce companies and they were one of the prepared. And um, I think it was April or May, I was talking to him and he said, AK, every, every day right now is like Black Friday. And he wasn't kidding. He wasn't being hyperbolic. He was being deadly serious. And, you know, for him, it was, he was kind of thanking um, you know, he was kind of reflecting and saying, thank, thank goodness we actually, had done all this because I don't know if we would actually be coping right now. But then on top of that, they were able to, because they were coping well and in fact succeeding, they had this reserve brain power 
to think about uh, more conceptual things, right? And so one of them was this whole concept of social distancing. They weren't doing social distancing as this reactive measure. They started saying, wow, if we do the social distancing thing, we will reduce the spread of COVID. But in the future, we'll actually, by employing these practices, we will actually reduce the spread of just general illness. And if we can reduce our absenteeism by 15% during flu season um, in the after COVID's gone, that is enormous for us, right? So this is, um, I think this is the benefit of being a company that is prepared. And um, if I, if you are one of the unprepared companies, then what are the, what are the things you should be asking? Well, it's number one, I think you should take stock of your team. You have the right team. You need to find the right leaders that will lean into this, um, who are, or, you know, you don't, you want to put, um, put together the team that actually is looking to embrace this. And it's a team that actually has the horsepower inside of the organization to make things happen because doing this is not, not simple. Um, also the right team will ask the right questions. They will look, they will really do a thoughtful exercise on selecting the right technology and they won't buy machines. They will actually buy outcomes, right? They'll buy return on investment rather than a widget. And, and then finally, I think the right teams will start looking um, post deployment and say, how is this going to impact our, our, our operation outside of the automation um, because, you know, one day you, you're so focused on deploying these robots and then one day you turn it on and you forget that, oh yeah, people have to interact with this thing. And a lot of the projects that, that struggle are, are ones where that piece is under thought of, of what happens when you actually turn this on and how do people interact. And one of the biggest risk places that is under thought of, I think, is in the maintenance area. Um, you really have to consider upgrading your talent set there because most of the distribution centers, um, you know, they're, the team is used to maintaining forklifts, maybe reefer units, um, maybe conveyor systems, if, you know, as an outlier. But, um, it, you know, working on mobile robots, it's, a, it's an order of magnitude um, of skill level increase. And, and these are the things that will actually be the difference between being successful and not being successful. So um, I think we're coming up on the end here. And, you know, I, I tell you, Chris, it's just, it's been great talking to you. I've, it's been fascinating to hear your point of view. It's been a crazy five years. And I don't think it's really a stretch to say the next five years will probably be even more interesting. So it's, for me, it's a privilege to be working in this business at this time. And, and uh, really, again, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, no, AK, this has been great. Um, it's been great, uh, you know, seeing you and, and talking to you again. Um, and, uh, you know, for all the folks out there, um, you know, thank you. And, um, you know, should you have any questions, you can reach me at um, creman at Deloitte.com. And um, AK, if you want to give your uh, email address. Yeah, you can, you can reach me at AK at svtrobotics.com. Would love to hear from you. And, um, Love to talk about robotics. It's one of the most, uh, my, my favorite things to talk about in the world. So uh, thank you very much. And um, I appreciate your time.